Stephane, the little sister back there. I think it expresses that song, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how fabulous and strong. What a day it is for us. Let's just quietly with our heads bowed now sing that to the Lord just before prayer. Just, uh, Teddy, if you will, give us a little card and let's just sing it to, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed just before prayer. Oh, love of God. If the ink, all the water had turned to ink, and all the skies a parchment made, and every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, yet it could not express the love of God to Adam's fallen race. We thank thee, Father, for that precious blood of the Lord Jesus, and for that memorial morning of the resurrection, and for thy redeeming love that shed abroad in our hearts today by the Holy Spirit, bring us into a fellowship with Him, the Divine One, the Creator. Bring us into a brotherhood on earth that's never been surpassed. No lodge, no vow can never, never compare with the brotherhood of born-again men and women. It should forever be saints and angels' song. We pray today that you'll bless all that we do and trying to express our, our gratefulness in our hearts to you for what you have done for us. And to know that not only was the disciples' hearts made happy that morning, Mary and Mary Magdalena, but also we, your disciples today, our hearts is made happy the hour that we find that he's not dead, but alive. May he ever remain alive in our hearts and in our midst. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There could never be anyone express the resurrection. Now, on this resurrection morning, it's a very wonderful time for our little events to take place in the church now. That's mothers dedicating their babies. It's something new. Something's been added to their home. Some new blessing has come to them, and they want to, in return, give it to God. And then after the, the morning message, we're going to have prayer for the sick, that you'll be resurrected from your sickness into new health. Then immediately after that, to those who haven't been baptized, we're going to have a resurrection of that. Be buried in water to rise to newness of life. It's all together resurrection this morning. Resurrection. 
Our hearts are made happy and light as we sing the songs and listen to the testimonies of others of this marvelous resurrection morning. And we look outside and we see God is happy about it. The trees are resurrecting. Some time ago down in Kentucky, Mr. Woods and I were squirrel hunting. And we went over to a man's place. That man may be sitting present right now, for all I know. And he was supposed to be an infidel. And Brother Woods asked him, said, Can I squirrel hunt on your place? He said, Yes, Woods, you can squirrel hunt. Go on back. He said, Well, I brought my pastor along. And he said, Woods, you don't mean to tell me that you've got so low that you have to carry a preacher with you all the time. And so he called me over to, to introduce me. And the fellow had said he was rather a kind of a hard fellow. He is told by others that, but he couldn't see anything to make him believe. And there was an apple tree standing there that I'd picked up an apple off of. It was in August. And I said to the gentleman, I said, how old is that tree? And he said, some 30 years, something other. He had planted it. And I said, you have partaken of the apples since it's been bearing? Yes, sir. I said, what happens to that tree? If you will look at it, it's now August, been hot weather all along, but now the leaves are falling off of that tree and the sap is leaving the branches going down into the roots. If it should stay up here through the winter, the tree would be no more. But it goes down into the dirt to hide itself from the cold breezes. If it stayed up here, it would die. It wouldn't bear apples no more. But it goes down to hide itself in the roots to come back next year to bring you some apples from somewhere and some leaves. Now I said, now, sir, I, I pray you tell me what intelligence makes that sap leave the tree before any cold weather and goes down into the roots to hide. If you can tell me what does that and explain it to me what does it, then I'll let you put your hand on God. I said, you put water on a post and see if it'll do it. See if the changing of season will do it. There's some great intelligence that runs that sap down into the tree and then brings it back again with new life. That's God. And he said, I never went to church very much, he said, but there's a preacher come out here to Acton one time and told a certain woman lived over on the hill and her sister was over at the meeting that night and told her she was praying for a sister that had cancer and said, wife and I have been over there to help her and said she was so bad with cancer of the stomach so they had to turn her to bed with a sheet and so forth. Her sister brought the handkerchief back. So that the man told her about her conditions and all, said, put the handkerchief on her and said, she's well today. And it just goes to show, I said, the same intelligence that told that sap in the tree year by year, right before your eyes, to go down into the roots and hide, was the same intelligence that told me that the woman would be healed when she put I said, that's no so, so mysterious. You got a far better preacher standing in your front yard, the tree, that tells you year after year. 
If we'll just look around, we see God everywhere. Amen. He's in every tree, every blade of grass. There's nothing can produce it but God. We can produce something that looks like it, but not that life. It's God. Now, a little blade of grass has been added to some homes here, and we want to dedicate these little babies to the Lord. Teddy, we have a little song here. We sang, Bring Them In. Would you just play that? While the mothers that want their babies dedicated and fathers, they'll bring their little ones up here at the altar. We got a lot of little Easter flowers here on the altar this morning, haven't we? My, my. I imagine there's little Marys, Ruth, Rebecca's, little James, Paul, John, all along here. Little Easter flowers for another generation. It's all right, right? I believe Brother Beeler wants to get this picture of this, um, this little fellow standing here. And it's Brother Woods' grandchild, Sister Woods over here. And others are coming now with their little ones. Come right ahead, folks. That's all right. Brother Neville. Great is the union of holy wedlock. It is ordained by God. And two holy wedlock brings forth these darling little babies. You have to tell me the name here tonight. Brenda Sue. You look a lot different, baby, than when I've seen you first. Well, here's little Brenda Sue Wood. A really a precious little treasure to the hearts of all of us, and especially to this young mother and father. And in the Bible times, many people sprinkle these little babies, but we try to follow the trend of the Bible as close as we can. We never see where they were ever sprinkled in the Bible. But they were brought to the Lord Jesus, and He blessed them. And we take them at this service and lift them to Him. I believe you know how proud the grandfather is. <laughs> Let's bow our heads just a moment. Lord Jesus, the child of God, who was delivered for our offense. And it's such a precious thing to see little children brought to you in commemoration of what happened many years ago when mothers and fathers brought their little ones to you. We hold before thee today in arms of faith little Brenda Sue Wood that's been sent into the family of our brother David and his precious wife. Father, God bless this child. They are confessing their faith in thee as they present their offspring to their union. And we pray that you will bless them. May their hearts be warmed by the Holy Spirit to live such godly, consecrated lives that this baby will be brought in the Christian home 
brought up in the admonition of God, live a long, happy life here on earth and serve you all the days of its life. And in glory where the families gather around, may little Brenda Sue and her papa and mama and all their people gather around the throne of God redeemed by the grace of Christ to which we lift her to him now. My little sister, I now give thee to the Lord Jesus Christ for a life of service to him in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen.
Our Heavenly Father, we bring these little darlings to you this morning as I put my hand on the little flaps across her head. A little soft hair of these boys. Oh, Lord, bless them. Their parents have expressed their love and their faith in thee by presenting their children. And we dedicate them to you, Lord, as they take it from the arms of the parents to be stood here on this altar this morning to consecrate lives unto God. Bless them, Father. We pray that you will let them live and be happy all the days of their life. Yes. Eternal life in the world to come. May they be raised in the admonition of God in a Christian home. Now, by the commission of Jesus Christ, given an example to his ministers that they should follow as he has done, I present them to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Way down in the sunshine state of Georgia, this baby was brought here by her loving father and her mother to be dedicated to you on this memorial morning. It's a trophy of your grace in their family. I pray that you'll bless little Renee. Her mother and father, and they express their faith in you by bringing the child one of your blessings upon it. And may she live and be a strong, happy Christian all the days of her life. And have eternal life in the days that is to come, and in the world that is to come. Granted, Father, as you picked up such sweet little things as these children this morning, in your own arms, the families have expressed their faith in you by bringing them to your service. And we bless little Renee and give her to you from the arms of her parents to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you bless her. Amen. Bless you. God bless you. Let's just sing one of them that about each one of the little fellows. But I'm just so slow anyhow. And people are standing. Brother Wood told me this morning that his back was just aching from standing. You don't know how I appreciate you standing and waiting. And I'll be just as quick with the message as possible. And you listen real close. I didn't have time to prepare this morning's service or this message this morning. Just the moment I picked up a text and something that was different and Last Easter, I preached on the subject, Living He Loved Me, Dying He Saved Me, Buried He Carried My Sins Far Away, Rising He Justified Freely Forever. Someday He's coming, O glorious day. And then this morning, we preached on the subject, I Know. And now, if the Lord willing, I want to read from the chapter of St. Mark. And you pray with me now, and immediately after this will be the healing service, and then... After the healing service will be baptismal service, and then the services will be tonight at 7.30. Now, Mark 16. 
And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalena, Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And they said unto them, and he said unto them, Be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first unto Mary Magdalena, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as, he, as they mourned and wept. You see, they were on the ash heap too. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believe not. How mysterious the words of God are. After that he uh, appeared unto another farm, unto two of them, as they walked and went unto the country. And when and when told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And upbraided them with the heart, with, with the unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. I would like to take a text from two words, go tell. You know, it doesn't do much good to go if you haven't got something to tell. I think that's been a whole lot of the trouble of today. 
We go to tell, we go, but have nothing to tell, nothing of any benefit, nothing that would help people. But if we will follow the instructions as these disciples who got the commission, we have the same commission. Go tell my disciples that I am risen from the dead. Go tell it. Then he says, go preach it and show these signs that I am alive from the dead. What a message. Go tell and go show my disciples these things that you have seen that I am not dead, but risen from the dead. In the morning message this morning, we found that every one of us has a little ash heaps of troubles and trials that we sit perched upon sometime waiting for the comfort. We found that the great patriarch Job got a vision because they hadn't had an Easter yet, but he saw 4,000 years away this morning. He saw 4,000 years away on Easter and screamed out in his distress, I know my Redeemer liveth. The last days he'll stand on the earth. Though if the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Now, after the Easter, we find that God gave man a commission. Go tell, and if you do tell, this will follow you. Go and tell. Now, it doesn't do no good, as I have said, to go, to go unless you've got something to tell. And if you've got the wrong message to tell, then it won't do any good. You've got to tell what is the secret. Some time ago, I was reading in a book of a little boy that was entered a contest, and in this contest, he was to make himself a famous name. Any little boy who could keep the password in his mind till he got to a certain place, and he would speak this password, and the gatekeeper would let him through. That was to test the IQ of the child. And when he got to the place speaking the passwords that was given him, the gate would open and he would win a great honor. One little boy being very swift-footed and know good and well that he could outrun all the rest of the boys in the contest, or he thought he could, he practiced day after day of running. How he pumped up his little lungs, got his physical body in trim so that he wouldn't tire as he ran. And he practiced how to start with his feet and get a head plunge ahead of the rest of the boys. And how that he must breathe during the time of his running in order to hold the oxygen that came to his body to keep him pumping on, that it wouldn't slow up his heart too much. He studied it from every angle that he could. 
And in the morning that the race started, there was more than 150 little boys lined up at a certain age. This little boy was rather a good-sized boy for his age. And he remembered all of his training. And he got ready. They got on the line, put their little faces against the, the string that come along, pushed their little nose up against it. He studied all the rules of that, making himself ready. And then when the gun fired and the line was broken, the little boy jumped forward and this little guy so physically fit until he jumped way ahead of the rest of them. And down the track he went with a terrific speed, well trained, until he could outrun every boy that was in the race. And he was there, oh, quite a long time, maybe a minute or more, before the best of the other runners ever reached the place. But all of his physical training, he had forgotten the password. He had forgotten the very thing that he was to say to let him in the gate. And he paced back and forth and stalled it, searched to his mind. He had been so interested in the natural, natural, physical conditions of his body till he had forgotten the main thing. On down the line, some boys that didn't run so fast remembered the password and entered in. So is it today. We are so interested in building great shrines and churches and buildings and so forth. I'm so interested in keeping our churches in good trim with fine buildings and nice plush pews and fine organs. Our ministers so well trained from they've got doctor, DL, PhD, LLD degrees. But we forgot what we're running for. That's the trouble. Go tell my disciples that I have raised from the dead and I'll meet them in Galilee. We forgot the key word. We've been so busy with other things, making big churches, building big denominations, till we forgot the key word. Many lives have been saved because of preparation for oncoming events. Some time ago I was told that in Florida, the newsman, the weather bureau sent out a newscast that there was a great storm coming. And one man was a poultry raiser and he went to his neighbor and told him that the storm was coming. He ignored and said nonsense. And he just kept on. He never put up his chickens. He never went into the dugout. He never made any arrangements. And his neighbor did make the arrangements. But all of the one who did not take the warning, all of his chickens was blown away and killed. His house was tore down. His stock was lost. He was sent to the hospital. All because he did not take heed and warning. He knew the message was given, but he failed to take heed to the message. That's the way it's come today with many of our people, with many of our churches. 
We know that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that the Bible teaches, Jesus said in St. John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, though at the works that I do, shall he do also. Greater works than this shall he do, because I go to the Father. Now, we've been interested in other things, not taking warning, not taking heed. We have run, but not taking heed to the message. We've gone, but didn't know what to tell when we get there. A few days ago, when the churches of this world, when the, when the Christian churches was brought to a shame and a disgrace, when the honorable and notable and God-fearing servant, Billy Graham, was brought face to face with the Bible, he had run but had forgotten the message. When that Mohammedan stood to his face and told him, if this be the Word of God, let's see you make it manifest. He had run well, great revivals, great things. But when he come to the place, he had, didn't have the message, I am risen from the dead. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Running physically, fine churches. Many members, great denominations, but that's not the keynote. Watch what followed. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Go, but didn't know what to tell. God never sent a man lest he give him something to say. God always confirms his words. Going, but not able to tell when you get there. No matter how big your revivals are, how big your church is, or how much your denomination predominates the others, if you haven't got something to tell them, what have you got but a bunch of people gathered together like a lodge? we got a message to tell the world. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Taking heed to the message. In this great nation that we now are thankful for, the United States of America, and all of its chaos, and all of its vulgar, all of its bad points, still it's the greatest nation in the world. And in the beginning, because it was set out right, it hasn't packed the message. Many years ago, when it was in its infancy, a story comes to my mind that the British was going to take the commonwealth of this nation. There had been a group of men that had singled themselves together and was on duty watching. And there was a horse stood hitched and a rider ready to mount at any minute. First thing he got was a sign that the British was coming. And he straddled his horse. What good would it do him to spur his horse? What good it would it to beat the horse and try to make his way from that church to Boston? What good would it have done him? 
if he didn't have a message to tell the people? How would they know to prepare themselves? Our modern Paul Revere's has run well, but they're just running. There's no message. The hour is here. A crisis is on. A world is at the end. Churches has met their climax. Nations has met their climax. Human life has met its climax. Science has met its climax. We've organized and made big churches, polished our preachers and physically set them together that they know how to use their verbs and adverbs and their uh, sounds and, and all their vowels and everything just right in psychology to contact the people. But that wasn't what Jesus said. Amen. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If a deadly serpent would bite them, it wouldn't harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. The world needs a messenger with a message to tell something. Know where the message come from and who it come from. Paul Revere, as he got on his horse, a gallant man, a man that's in history as long as there's a nation to be history of, he made that notable ride from the church steps with a message that alarmed everyone from the poorest to the richest, from the farmer to the businessman, the British are coming, and the Minutemen made themselves ready. For an attack, and this great nation was saved. If this heritage of God, if this people that God died for, if this church that's called by His name is ever to be saved, we've got to have a messenger with a message from the throne to meet the challenge of this day. There's a Goliath. But God will surely have a David somewhere. We've got to meet the contact. We've got to, have a, we've got to have a message. We're going, but with nothing to say. It proves it. When we come to a place that a nation or a people that denies Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and stands in the face of our most challenging ministers of the day, and then in our great a church league, finding some 30 communists packing papers for 20 or 30 years that they're members of the Communistic Party. And our United Churches, what can we do? It shows they have run without a message. Yes. Selling out the very birthrights of the nation. Selling out the regular birthrights of the church. It all has come to a showdown. It's come to a place that the little church that's believed the message and stood on both feet with their eyes centered to the cross in their heart the resurrection of Jesus Christ burning. It's come to a place where the nations has got to recognize it. Yes. It's to a showdown. No wonder that the churches, when the council of churches it's so honeycomb with communistic. No wonder they can't believe in the supernatural. 
No wonder they can't believe in divine healing. They don't have any message in their heart no matter how hard they're running. If the Holy Ghost comes into a man's heart, he'll believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he's alive in him to do and to do the will that he come to do, to will the will of God through the man's life. But the trouble, we run, we go without a message. We go with theology. We go with some kind of a church interpretation of the Scriptures. We've got to go with the resurrection. Amen. Go tell my disciples that I'll organize a new church. No, sir. Go tell my disciples that I'm risen from the dead, as I said I would be. That's the message to the church this morning, that Jesus is not dead. He's alive and just as great and powerful today as he ever was. We've had many messages of warnings to make ready. Paul Revere and other great men and great wars and storms and things. Then God sends a message of comfort, too. This was a message of comfort. Some time ago when they had slavery in the South, the Boers brought over from South Africa the native, what we call today the colored man. And they brought them over here and sold them to the Americans in the South to make slaves out of them. Great uprise about it in Africa today, assassinations and so forth going on. They are fighting for their freedom. They have a right to fight for it. Amen. God made man, man made slaves. Never was intended. Some few years ago, I was in a Colosseum, or a great museum rather. I was walking around looking at different pictures and things. For I admire art. I think God is in art. And I walked up and I noticed there was an old Negro man who was real old, stooped in his shoulders, just a little rim of hair at the back of his head. He had his hat on, and he was walking around in something in that manner, looking around as if he was watching or looking for something in the museum. I stood back and watched him for a little while. And after a while, he come to a certain little box there, and he looked into it, and he startled, and his eyes brightened up. He jumped back from the box a minute, took off his little plug hat, held it in his hand. And I watched him, and as the old darky bowed his head, the tears began to drop off of his cheeks. And I watched him with an amazement for quite a little bit. Then I thought I'd find out what the old fella was so excited about. I walked around on this side, and it looked to me like a dress laying in there. And I looked at him standing there, and I walked around. I said, How do you do, Uncle? And he said, How do you do, sir? And I said, I am a minister. And I was surprised to see you offering prayer at this place. I said, I would believe that you are a Christian. He said, I am, sir. And I said, what excited you so much? He said, come here. And I walked with the old fellow over there. He said, you see that dress? I said, yes, sir. He said, you see that spot on there? I said, yes, sir. 
said, put your hand on my side. I said, what's that rough place? He said, a slave belt went around there one day. That's the blood of Abraham Lincoln. He said, his blood took the slave belt off of me. I said, wouldn't that excite you too? I stood there in amazement. I thought, if the blood of Abraham Lincoln would excite a, excite a slave for taking the slave belt off of him, what ought the blood of Jesus Christ to do to people like Rosella here that was a slave to alcoholism, to me dying a miserable wretch? He took the slave belt of sin from my heart. Oughtn't it to excite a man? Oughtn't it to make him feel different? Oughtn't it to make him reverence when he thinks of it? You can't see a tree without bowing your head, Harley, knowing that Jesus redeemed your life on that tree. As we continue a moment with the slaves and our thought, that was the proclamation, emancipation of the proclamation. That was signed, and the slaves is going to be free upon a certain day. You don't know. Oh, if you've never met Christ, you never know what that meant to them slaves when it went the message throughout the land that you're going to be free on such and such a day at daylight. You're going to be free. You'll not have to wear slave belts anymore. Neither will you get any more whippings. But you are free and you are a citizen of this great United States. You are not no more a slave after daylight on a certain, certain morning. All with great anticipations they waited. If the sinner could only see that. If the sinner would only hear the true gospel. Not the joining of a church, but the preaching of the gospel. That you can be free from sin. That you can be free from your sickness. At a certain, certain time, that's the time you believe. You know those slaves were so excited and under such anticipation. Waiting for the hour that they would be free. Until they tell me that they gathered at the bottom of the hill. Mothers and little children all gathered in some of the old. And they climbed up to the top of the hill around midnight. They know when the day break and the sun come up that they'd be free. It wouldn't take over one half of a minute to shine the sun from the top of the hill. But some of them was up on top of the hill watching, watching. Oh, when the sun rises, we are free. That was the S-O-N, or S-U-N. But when the S-O-N rises one of these days, and when the S-O-N rose some 1,900 years ago, he broke every slave belt. He set every captive free. He healed every sickness. He gave freedom to those who were in bondage. How we ought to climb and watch. And when the sun peeped up first, the man was up the highest, saw it, and he shouted down to the next man, We are free! And the next man shouted to the man farther down the hill, We are free! 
until it come to the camp. We are free, for the sun was arising. They were waiting, waiting, waiting for that hour. How much more ought we to be waiting today for the S-O-N of God? We are free from sin. We are free from the shackles. We are free from habits. We are free from smoking, drinking, carousing, because the S-O-N of God has raised from the grave and has broke ever better. All condemnation is gone. The debt has been paid. The penalty is paid. The sins are washed away. And we are free. Oh, we are free people. Amen. Slavery. Freedom. When the Son of God rises with healing in His wings, someday He'll rise from the throne, come back to the earth, and then we'll be free from all pains and all temptations, free from all mortal aches and whatever goes with mortal life, to live with Him forever. We'll be free. Go tell. That's the thing to do. In the Bible time, there was a jubilee year come. People that were sold out for the debts that they owed. They owed a debt, and they could not pay it. So they went and sold themselves to people for slaves. And they had to be their slave, their bond slave, all their life. But ever so often there come a day of grace, what was known as Jubilee year. And when the Jubilee year was come, then there went a priest out and sounded a trumpet. And that trumpet denoted to the every slave, no matter how long he had been serving, how much longer he had to serve, when that trumpet sounded, that slave was made free. He could lay down the hole and go home to his children. He didn't have to work any longer because he was free when the jubilee sounded. That trumpet gave a, not an uncertain sound, but it gave a certain sound. And the man could lay down his instrument, go home free from slavery this morning. The Bible said, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will know what to do? If the Bible has preached that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the trumpets that we are hearing sounding today say the days of miracles is past, there's no such a thing as divine healing, who will know how to prepare themselves? What we need today is anointed messengers from God. He has raised from the dead. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the message of the day. Oh, there's been great messages, but Easter kept them all. Great messages. Easter was all of it. When the dead was made preparation, that the last enemy. We'd seen sickness healed in the Old Testament. We'd seen miracles performed in the Old Testament. There were visions come in the Old Testament. But every man went right to the grave, wondering, would he ever rise again? But on Easter morning, when these disciples got the greatest message that any man could ever get, what did they get? Go tell my disciples, I am risen from the dead. Death had been conquered. There never was nobody on earth, no prophet, no great man, no sainted person could ever conquer. They could conquer sickness by the Spirit of God. They could conquer the time by the Spirit of God and foresee things that was coming. They could conquer that. But never was there a man anointed with such an anointing from God that could make this statement, I can lay my life down, I'll take it up again. Tear down this body, I'll raise it on the third day. 
There never was a man could make a statement like that. And it was wondering in their hearts whether this would be true or not. But on Easter morning, they got a message. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. I'm raised from the dead. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink deadly things, it shall not harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Amen. The Easter message. It's one of the most outstanding messages there is. Death has been conquered. We think of a conqueror. Napoleon, at the age of 33, had conquered the world. He conquered the world. He whipped every nation there was to be whipped. And he was so discouraged because there's nobody else to fight. He sat down and cried. There's nobody else to fight. But he played the rules of the game unfair. Tens of thousands of prostitutes followed his army. He went with a gun and with a sword. At the age of 33, he had conquered the world, but he was once the provisious and died an extreme alcoholist because he had played the rules of the game unfair. He had forgot the message. He had conquered, but he had forgot the message. He went, but he forgot what he was going for, like the little boy that run the race, like the church that's running today, like the people that's running, like the nation's running. Our refuge is not atomic bombs. Our refuge is Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Napoleon had forgot the main thing. What happened to him? He died totally defeated, a drunken sop. Why? He didn't play the game right. Though he had conquered the world physically, he had prepared an army. He was a military genius. He took every nation and done the things that, he, that no other man could ever done or ever did do like him. But he had forgot what the real message was. He had taken it and got his military strength. But he forgot the strength of the Lord. The strength of the Lord is our consolation. We have no other strength. No other refuge. Heaven. God have mercy. Take my life, but never let me forget from whence cometh my strength. It comes from the Lord. I don't want to find things in the world. I want Jesus. I want His resurrection burning in my life. How different that was from Jesus Christ at 33. At the age of 33, Jesus owned everything He made in the world. He was in the world, and the world knew Him not. He never made Himself no reputation. He never gathered no military man. He never organized any churches. He never made any great names for Himself. He never come forth with any boasting degrees of doctrine, theology, and so forth. Never had a record of Him ever going into any school of theology. But He had God. He had God! At the age of 33, he'd conquered every devil that sucked his head out of hell. He conquered sickness. He conquered superstitions. He conquered devils. He had conquered death. And when he died at the cross, he sent it into the bottom of his pits of hell and conquered hell. And on Easter morning, he conquered the grave. Why? Wow. He played the rules of the game right, running with the message. He was he gone. Go. God sent him. And he had a message to tell him. And with the message that God gave him, he conquered the powers of Satan. He conquered sickness. 
He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. Why? He went. Go. Tell. I always do that, what my Father shows me to do. I do nothing but what He tells me to do. Then before He died, He said this, Even as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Not to build them a military strength. Not to put all your time in who will be president. That might be essential. But it's not essential in this. The world is gone. We've got one message. That is Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, in a little courtroom, they were trying to make me say something that wasn't right. I said, I am not a crook. I said, I am, I, I'm honest. And you can't say no more. But what? That's the truth. And a certain man was maybe said, if a man would talk to me like that, I'd feel like throwing a book at him. I said, no, sir. No, that's not right. That's not the way to approach it. Not right. He said, well, why don't you know these things go on? Why ain't you out there doing this? I said, I'll spend my time serving Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Oh, the people are blind and can't see it. As the Father has sent me, the Father sent him. He went. He had a message to tell the people. And in the hour of death, he conquered death and he conquered hell and he conquered the grave. As the Father sent me with a message, I send you with a message. Not to build churches, organizations, but go into all the world and demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. And as our bodies go to the grave as his did, he has conquered both death, hell, and the grave. He's the mighty conqueror. He sends us with his message. Let's go with a message. Go with something to tell. Go tell. Not run and then not be able to tell. Let's first get it in our own heart. When you come up to be prayed for this morning, don't come in a haphazard way. Come with a message in your heart. I am he that was dead and alive again. I am the one to give the message. These signs shall follow them that believe. If God Almighty could take a, a little cross-eyed baby and turn his sight back normal, well, God could take a baby, a baby boy born, never did see in his life, and 16 years old, restore his eyesight back to him. God can take a miserable wretch of a cancer, eaten red in person, and because the message is right, because God sent the message, because God sent the messenger, no doubt that every gun of hell will be firing at him. That's right, he'll stumble and fall and get up and shake his head and go on. We got a message. Nothing's going to stop it. Amen. Hallelujah. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. They can say what they want to, do what they want to. The devil can rage and howl. But Jesus raised from the dead. He lives today in us. A few days ago, talking to the great Dr. Lama, who translated the Bible from the Aramaic unto English, I've seen that little sign, God's sign on there, with three little dots in it. I said, Dr. Lama, what is that? He said, it's God with three attributes. And I said, you mean God living in three offices, such as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? He raised and looked at me. Tears come in that Jew's eyes. He said, do you believe that, Brother Branham? I said, with all that in my heart. 
He throwed his arms around me and said, I wondered when I seen that great things going forth in the signs that you were doing. So they told me you was a prophet. I didn't believe it till now. Now I know you are. He said, That's it. That's the message. That's the thing that will shake the kingdom of God. He said, Someday you'll die for it, boy. He said, You'll seal your testimony with that very same thing. One of the greatest men we got when Eisenhower and great man of the world, Hollywood, all kinds of movie stars, everything, calling for him, but hung right there in a the meeting. He said, I have been 30 some odd years getting this translation, not from the Vatican Greek, but from the Aramaic, right straight from that, from the Aramaic into the, the English. And he said, I've spent all that time. He said, I have just now walked into the place where I see God with the Bible moving. Yeah. He said, you know, Brother Branham, we can see signs and wonders, but we watch what voice the sign has. We Jews, we see a sign, but we watch the voice of the sign. Yes. Amen. Oh, Amen. Amen. The voice of the sign. God told Moses that they won't hear the voice, the voice of the first sign, then they'll hear the voice of the second sign. Amen. Yes. Not so much the sign, but the voice went with it. Yes. See that Jew? He knows what he was talking about. He said, I've seen discernments, I've seen signs, wondered, the blind being made well. All kinds of different signs, but I wondered. But now I see the voice behind it. I'm not cut God in three parts and saying He's one Amen. God, the Father, and next to the Son. He says, God is God. Yes. Three attributes of yes. God. Three offices of God. Yes. So that confirms it. Yes. Oh, brother, we got a message. Yes. Go tell my disciples. I wasn't one that died, and another one's pretty near dead, and the other's alive. I am He that was, which is, and shall come. The spring of David, Amen. the bright and morning star. Yes. What good does it do go do to go if you haven't got something to tell? Got something to tell. That's right. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you all. He died for you all. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How many have ever been to meetings and see the great signs and wonders of his of his appearance, of how he deserves and shows and things? That's the God of heaven who's raised from the dead. You ought to see the sign of the Hebrew sign of it. It's a light, like a pillar of fire. And in there's three little marks. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which was not three persons. Amen. It was one God Amen. living in three offices. Amen. The same God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God above you. God with you. God in you. Amen. The same condescending himself, cleaning out his church that he might live. When you cut him to pieces and put one out here and one over here, one there, it's pagan as it can be. Yes, it I believe the resurrection Amen. of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Amen. And he was the only man who could say that all powers in heavens and earth is given unto my hands. All powers of heavens and earth is given unto my hands. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel came not in word only, but through power and demonstrations of the Amen. Holy Ghost. God help you to believe that. God help me to believe that. And we'll see Jesus someday. When the toils of life is over, we shall see Jesus at last. On His beautiful throne, He will welcome me home after the day is through. <laughs> the sands has been washed in the footprint of that stranger from Galilee shore. They killed Him because He made Himself God. And He was God. They hung him because he died under capital punishment. That's the reason I don't believe in capital punishment. Jesus died under the, the punishment of capital punishment from the federal government of Rome. 
The capital punishment is hanging on a cross. He died under capital punishment. They stripped his pose off of him and hung there and disgraced him, and he died in that condition. But God raised him up on the third day. And we are his witnesses. And if we don't stand for him, who is going to stand for him? A man met me the other day and said, Oh, Brother Brandon, what you tell, you quit telling, you, you hurt women's feelings about them wearing short hair and about them doing this and doing that and so forth like that. I said, If I don't tell them, who's going to tell them? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Who's going to tell it? Say, well, you make them preachers angry. I'd rather have them angry at me than him. Yes. It's the truth. Amen. Right. Right, who's going to tell it? Somebody's got to tell it. Jesus said, go tell. Go and tell. Tell my disciples. I have risen from the dead. Oh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Do you believe that, friends? Yeah. Let us pray as we bow our heads now for prayer. Oh, Father God, truly go tell. Go tell my disciples. That I have raised from the dead. Father God, not only did you tell your disciples, but you proved to them you was raised from the dead. You showed yourself with them and done just exactly the way you did before you died. Nineteen hundred years has come and gone, Lord. The message still burns. It's just as bright and burning in our hearts today as it was in disciples. For we, for we see the risen Lord right in our midst doing the things that he did before. We know that he is raised from the dead. Easter means much to us because we have joined in and enjoyed the fellowship of his resurrection. For we are once dead in sin and trespasses like the prodigal son. But now we have found grace, and God has forgiven us of our sins. He has also given us the seal like he did Father Abraham to confirm that he has accepted us. Father Abraham said he believed God. But he gave him the seal of circumcision as a confirmation that he did believe him. Now, Father, today we are circumcised by the Holy Ghost. All the things of the world has passed away. We have one objective, serve you. We have one desire, love you, be your disciple. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll confirm this little broken up message to every heart. Let them not miss it. Let them see that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are here, raised from the dead. And we'll be until the, the Spirit and the body unites together again at the second coming. I pray for the sick that's here, Father, this morning. I have now on this Easter morning laid aside, or not laid aside, but just laid by for a moment of time the gifts that Thou hast given me, such as discernment, the world. I've been back and forth across the nations, Lord. They all know it. Now I pray that the message that you gave me up here in the woods that a few days ago, that on the creative power which sets in this church this morning the very people it was created on, I pray, God, as I come to lay my hands on the sick this morning with my brethren here, that you will fall on this church this morning with mercy, and that you will heal the people, that there won't be one feeble person in our midst when the service is over. May every one of them be blessed and be healed. We realize, Lord, it's nothing we can work ourselves up to. It's simple, childlike faith, believing. We can see the disciples after they were given power to heal the sick. They went forth and was defeated on an epileptic case, screaming and crying, perhaps, and jumping up and down and trying to make that devil leave. 
But when he met Jesus, oh, how different. He said, Thou evil spirit, come out of him. What a difference. Oh, he knew that that wasn't an apostle. That was the Lord himself. And the spirit tore the boy and threw him on the ground. But Jesus said, He's not dead. Just take him up and give him some food. The evil spirit had left. Oh, Jesus, thou Son of God, come again. Anoint your church free, fully, powerfully. May the Spirit of the living, resurrected Jesus resurrect this little church this morning into a new faith. Amen. Power, power of faith, that we might put every gainsayer to shame. Grant it, Lord, committing all these people to you, asking that you will bless them and give them salvation to their souls, healing to their bodies. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and with our heads bowed, I'm going to ask the question, is there someone here that's not a Christian would like to be remembered now and say, pray for me, Brother Branham? God bless you there. Someone else? I'm not a Christian. I've heard the news that Jesus raised from the dead, but really I don't know it. He's never raised in my heart. I have no satisfaction. I'm sick too. I'll go through a prayer line, come back and go through another, and come back and go through another. I'll go from church to church and place to place. That's not it. It's believing Him. You raised from the dead. That settles it. Someone else would raise your hand. Say, God bless you. God bless you. Someone else. I want to believe. I want to believe. How many sick in here raise your hand? Say, I want to believe. I want to know the message this morning. God bless you. That's fine. Yes. God bless you, son. Good. All right. Now, Teddy, I want you to play the great position just a minute, if you will. Now is near. While you're doing that, that's hard right now. Visions are breaking all over the building. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to let this be a resurrection a little higher, a little higher from the from the ash sheep I have set on. I want a little more of a revelation. I know one thing: as long as I hold on to that first ministry, the second won't come. It didn't come. Now, as long as I hold on to the second, the third won't come. See, I've got to step right out. Step out and believe it. God said so. A few days ago, now you can raise your heads now if you wish to. I got your hands. God got them. I want to tell you a little something. Brother Ed Dalton, I believe he just come in the door. Fine Baptist brother, him and his wife. Brother Jeffries is here somewhere. Uh, Otho Jeffries and He's here. I know he's here somewhere. However, them brethren had formed a meeting for me to go to down in Kentucky. Brethren, precious brethren, loving their neighborhood and their people. They got auditoriums and armory buildings and things just for one night service, said rented armories. Little J.T. Hoover, everybody's L.G. Hoover, had formed one down in Elizabethtown. Brother Ed Dalton over at Willow Shader. Or Somerset, Somerset. Brother, the other brother was down around Glasgow, where I was born at. People in there, where I was born and raised, where the angel of the Lord first appeared to me. Now I wanted to go back, but I felt a little nudge, and I said, "Well, for the brethren's sake, I'll set the meeting." As soon as I arrived in this valley, my throat closed right up, and I didn't speak for nine days till the meetings passed by. Brother Ruddle. He may be here this morning, too. One of the brothers in this tabernacle. 
him and Junie Jackson uh, and them. I was supposed to have a meeting for him. And the meet, my throat just closed up. And the first thing you know, I took a fever of about 105. And I was going to the meeting first. And, um, and Doc Sheen said to me, I said, my throat is hoarse. He said, I'll give you something. So I'll loosen up them larynx and you go ahead and preach. And I took something they gave me. And what it was, it pulled that sinus down and blocked it. Then I laid in the bed for nine days with this a high burning fever. Many of my brethren here come to me. Many famous brothers come prayed for me. Here come Brother Grim Snelling. Here come Brother Ruddle. All these brothers here all gathered in praying and everything else. Me praying, trying my best. Couldn't even whisper. I wonder what's it all about. My lovely little wife sitting there, her and them praying for me. Just kept on staying just the same. They couldn't understand. Now he'd give me some medicine to take, but I didn't take it because it was dope. And then I just let it go. And I just kept thinking, Lord, surely. And then after the meetings was all over, on a Monday, that was last meeting was supposed to be on Saturday. And then, I believe in that on Monday, I tried to get up. I was so weak, I couldn't go through the room. I sat down. You know, I'm so thankful for a God-given wife. Aren't you, brethren, a real wife, a real companion? I sat down. I motioned to her and got over close to me. I said, meeting. Sometimes I wonder, I said, I wonder, well, what's the matter? I said, why would them meetings be there and God let me lay like this? I said, why was it? And I said, sometimes I wonder if he even called me. She said, ain't you ashamed of yourself? And she told me, said, Bill, don't you know that God knows what he's doing with you? Just, just be quiet. And so I went in, that kind of rebuked me a little, you know, so I went in and laid down on the bed. She come in to change the sheets and... She'd got the, the things on her arm, and when she started out, I looked, and there was a, I seen an old, a great big arm rebuilding that the sun had shined down and bursted out on the ground, brought it to pieces, the sun shining down from heaven. And there come three women and a man come up, and they had out like little bitty, uh, like little, some kind of little shooting guns, like, and they said, that drives nails, and said, we, you hold these pieces up, Brother Brennan, and we'll build this armory back up for you. And I said, all right, I'll do that. But something said, don't do it. Well, I reached down to get a piece like this to build it up, like this. And just then a voice spoke to me and said, now, they're on the road to get you to go back. Don't you believe it. Said, they're ever so sincere, and they're coming to you with, thus saith the Lord. But they're wrong. See? Fred Softman, many of them here, was right there, and I told them about it in less than an hour. The people drove right up to my door. I said, these three women and a man, that's exactly right. They come with us, saith the Lord. Yes, sir. They're. I said, of course, you know what to tell them. Sincerely wrong. See? Fine people, but sincerely wrong. See? Then I thought, well, what can I do? What must I do? And then he come in and she gone back and Brother Freddy went and told the people. And then after a while, I was sitting there on the, uh, on the bed and I thought, why does it happen that way? Why can't I speak? Why can't I talk to somebody or something? And I was laying there, and media come in and was going back out of the room. And I looked, and I seen something make a flicker over to one side. And I looked, and there was this, my wall opened up. And I seen Jesus. How many of you ever heard me say it? I've seen Jesus twice in my life in a vision. And I believed I would see him again before the end time. See, see him again. Now, I looked. And the skies was right out there, just looked like looked through the wall. And there was the Bible standing right like this. Great big Bible standing in the sky. 
Well, there's something got light around the Bible, and out of the Bible come a real pretty golden cross. And it stood out like this, and the light's coming from all around it, and out of that cross he walked. The Bible reflected the cross, the cross reflected him. And he come walking out and walked right down to where it was at. I can see it just as plain. I see the, that cross reflecting his hair standing there, hung down over his face. He looked down at me like that, and he said to me, you are waiting for your new ministry to be confirmed to you. He said, I've already confirmed it to you. It's already confirmed. You've got to accept it. See? And I didn't listen to him just a minute. It come into my mind. I didn't hear that. It just came into my mind like a man that he's been a sinner all of his life, and he knows there's a Bible, knows there's a God, but all at once he hears a sermon, then something tells him, it's you. Then that same word's been there all the time, yet it's confirmed to him. Then he says, Lord, forgive me, but it won't do no good until he accepts his salvation. Then he goes out as a Christian. No matter how much he cries, how much he begs, he's got to accept it. And the, the, he said to me then, you've got to accept it the same way. You've got to believe it. I'm afraid of defeat. Anything I'm afraid I'll bring a reproach. I'm always afraid of watching think I'll call the wrong thing. Because I've took warning of the Bible, how that Moses is given great power. And he smote the rock instead of speaking to it. I remember Elijah, because he went bald-headed, them little children teasing about being bald-headed, he put a curse on those children, and 42 of them was killed by bears. See? Now, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, but it, that prophet angered. And I, I went through all the things coming to that, and there he stood talking to me, and he said, but you walk with too many. He said, to walk with me, you walk alone. I'd seen that. I've been catering too much to denominations and everything, you see. Somebody trying to tell you what to do and what not to do, you got to follow him. Amen. Now, remember the vision that he gave me about the fishes, you know, and how that you couldn't teach supernatural science to Pentecostal babies, you remember. There it was, and I'm right at the brim of this new message. No more than the vision left me. I said, Amen, Lord, and my wife is standing there almost fainted. And I jumped up out of the bed. I could talk as good as I ever did. Just in a second, every bit of the fever left me. I called up Doc Sheen. I said, Lackley, look at me. He said, What? And I come over there. And he looked at me, looked through those signs, and said, Tell me what happened, Brother Brown. <laughs> I said, You believe my story? He said, How could I doubt it? It's happened. That's it. See? That's it, friends. God knows how to hold you on an ash heap. He knows how to do something for you. Until he can get the message over to you, see? to get to do something. Today, I don't know how much defeat. I went in not long ago and listened to a radio broadcast, and there's a minister preaching on the resurrection from 1 Corinthians 15. And he was preaching the resurrection. And he stopped right in the middle of his sermon. And he said, you know, so many people are afraid of defeat. He said, when General Patton lost a bunch of soldiers, said then they told him, he sat back and he wanted some more, and they sent him up some more. He got them killed. He sent for some more. And when he got them third bunch up there, said every time a bullet would whine, they'd run under a tin or run under something that was scared. He said, send me up man, not kids. He said, I don't want man that's ready to die. I don't want somebody who's afraid to die. If the cause we're fighting for is not worthy to die for, then keep them away from me. I want man. He said, but you've lost two or three battles. He said, I haven't lost a war. I've just lost a battle. Something spoke in my heart. I remember Eisenhower said, when I throw a bullet, it commanded, and they throw a shell in the gun, they pull it off, 
and it was a fizzle. It didn't work. Said, I didn't quit and surrender. I pulled the bullet out and put another one in. Tried it. It didn't work. I put another one in. Until one did work. That's the way it's got to be done. I don't know how it'll be, but God is my judge over this pulpit. I don't know how many fizzles and how many, how many battles I'll lose, but I'll not lose the war. He told me he'd be with me. I'll stand till I see that ministry confirmed and sit in operation. I begin this morning by the grace of God. I don't know where it'll work here, where it'll work somewhere else, how it'll work or what'll take place, but I'll walk right down prayer lines praying for the sick until I do know what's happening. I've seen it happen two or three times. I've seen it happen in Hattie's house. How many ever heard the story about the squirrels and about the girl, the uh, woman, the first person in all since we know since the days of the disciples was ever given the privilege to say, ask what you will when you're there. Did you ever hear the story? Did you ever see the woman? How many never seen her and what would like to see the woman that happened on her? Hattie, would you stand up? There's the lady. Standing in her house after I'd seen eight squirrels that wasn't absolutely none around anywhere and just speak the word and there they'd be standing there. That's true. Amen. That's, there they were. And I said, what made them squirrels come there sitting at her table? And her mother, Sister Wright, your brother Wright was sitting there. How many was at the table? How many showed this morning? Raise up your hands. Oh, there they are all around the building. All right, they were there. And I said, someday, their little crippled sister sitting there. I said, it has to come by vision and so forth, but someday it'll come different. Talking like that all at once. Something anointed that. Leave it to these people. I never felt such an anointing. Why? Because Hattie said the right thing. I said, where did them squirrels come from? There was none there, not even a place for them. Just like on a telephone pole out there. I've seen it happen eight straight times. And I said, I don't know where it come from. I said, the only thing I know, that God tried to confirm a message to Abraham one time, and he spoke a ram into existence because he needed a ram Amen. to confirm it. It must have been that I needed a squirrel to speak mine. And he did it eight straight times, or seven straight times, rather. Seven straight times. And I said, and Hattie, maybe not knowing what the woman is saying, look how it bypassed the rich and the haughty. Look, I had bypassed everything and come to a poor little old country woman there. And I had $20 in my pocket to give back to the woman that she had pledged $50 on this new church coming up. And I don't say this to embarrass her. She couldn't afford 50 cents really to give it. But her heart and the message she wanted to. Brother Neville, I believe, had accepted. Wouldn't take the rest of it. Just let her give $20 of it. And I had two $10 bills in my pocket me to give me for groceries. And I said, I'm going to give it back to her today. Then I thought something spoke to me said, Jesus seen that widow putting in her three pennies, and he ever took it back from her. He let her go on because he had something greater down the road. Little did I know he's speaking to me the same way of a widow woman. No husband. Her husband is killed. Neither did I know that was the same one. But I said, then I'll just keep the $20 you have something else for. I said, the only thing I know that Jehovah is still Jehovah Jireh. He's able to provide a sacrifice. Had he not known what she was saying, raised up and said, That's nothing but the truth, Brother Branham. Oh, my. That was the right thing to say. That was the right thing to say. About that time, the power of God struck that place. I never felt such anointing. When it did, I said, Hattie, thus saith the Lord, ask what you will. I don't care what it is. God has given you the authority to give you your heart's desire right now. If you ask for a million dollars, you can have it. Ask for that little crippled girl to get up and walk, she can have it. 
Ask for anything. She said, What shall I ask, Brother Branham? I said, Anything that you wish for. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, what a feeling. She looked around. There stood her aged, gray-headed daddy that had been brought back from the dead almost. There stood her aged mother, sickly. There stood her little crippled sister. But she chose just what was right. She had two teenage boys. Just in that age of reckless, her precious husband gone on to glory. She was a Christian waiting, but the boys wasn't a Christian. She said, the souls of my two boys. God bless her heart. I said, thus saith the Lord you have them. Here they are baptized into the faith. Just tell me the other night, even that little bitty boy washing feet in there, putting his hands over on Brother Neville's head and praying for him while he was washing feet. The two little boys are probably sitting here in a meeting somewhere this morning. Are they ready? Are they here with you? In back in the back. Where are you, boys? Raise up your hand. Where's the two boys? There they are standing back in the back. God bless you. All right. There you are. Now what happened? That same thing, no matter what should have happened, what should have asked, she could have had it. She could have got it. Now I'm wanting to see that happen. It's going to be the attitude of the people towards the message. See how she said it? She said just the right thing. It's what you say that does it. What you say. Look at the Ethiopian woman when she come to Jesus. She said, Lord, my daughter's seriously vexed with the devil. Thou son of David, come heal her. He said, it's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it to you dogs. What if he'd have said that to some of us? We'd say, call me a dog. Huh, was nothing to him anyhow. The big church is right. He ain't nothing but a holy roller. He's nothing but a Beelzebub. We'd have had that attitude, but not her. She said, it's true, Lord. You're exactly right. But the dogs are willing to eat the scraps under the children's table. That got him. He said, for this saying, the devil left your daughter. For this saying. It's your attitude, friend. Did not he say it? You've got to believe it, friends. You Don't believe me. I'm a man. But you believe what I'm telling you. Believe the message. If you don't believe the messenger, believe the message. Amen. If a man walked in the room there at the telegram, no matter who, the, what the man looked like or who he was, big or little, you believe what's on the telegram, not the man. God sent me to tell you. I have a message. God sent me to tell you that he's risen from the dead, that he's here this morning. He's proved it by signs and wonders that he's here. And each one of you can be healed of your sickness if you'll just take the right attitude as you come. Will you do that while we say only believe? Now, let those who are going to be prayed for come out of here, line out of around here. Now, don't come unless you believe with all your heart. Precious Lord, this is the hour. I pray that you will heal these people, Lord, and sanctify this oil. Get glory unto thyself, Father. We send these in the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder if we could ask that those people that are standing on this side here, if there is a way that they could give just a little room here so we can get the people right by, if you can. Right through here. Going out that way. Then they can all come this way right down the line and make one line going out that way. 
something's got to happen right now. Amen. It's happening right now. Praise the Lord. Jesus is here. Yeah. Everyone on the seat. What a time we got. Amen. What's that? Right, you know, just right across there, Brother Neville and I, yeah, we're going to pray for him around right here, so can't bring him around this way, because if you do, you're going to... Just a minute. Now let me say to the waiting audience, this is God's Word, what I've lived by. And I'm going to die by it, by God's grace and help. God being my solemn judge, I've told you the truth. I've seen, and all these things coming up to it, even from the little fish that was raised down there. Did you ever hear that story? There sits a man right back there, both of them. That was there when it happened. Told the day before, it happened. Now, how can I tell you these things which are... See, I want to preach on one of these nights on counterbalance. Man can tell you something and just keep building like that, but if he ain't no scripture or counterbalance, it'll finally fall down. If this discernment and these visions and things that I've told you about, if that hadn't been the truth, first thing, there's a Bible to back it up. And there was the Holy Spirit to prove that I told the truth. Now, I've been about 14 years on the field through every critic that could be got before me, educated, smart, everything else, not one time could they say, you know what they said? You've heard it here. They say people out in the audience will go around and talk to people. First, they said it's people from my church that goes up there to be done. Then they couldn't get back. There's too many of them. Next thing they said that it would be like the brethren to go with me. They'd stand back there and say, this man's got a hearing in his ears. Then they said that Billy Paul, Billy Paul would come and, and, and go up there and read on the car about the people say if there'd be something wrong with their ears they'd say their ears are the stomach how in the world could them out there don't have no prayer cards yeah. how in the world can it foretell things that happen perfectly how could it be that way it couldn't be anyone knows that's got the right mind they said the same thing about Jesus when Philip went and got Nathaniel he was a friend of Jesus he said sure he told Jesus all about that he's going after him and then them disciples said, or them disciples of the big church said, this man's Beelzebub. He's Beelzebub. He's a fortune teller. Jesus said, I'll forgive you for that. But someday the Holy Ghost is coming to do the same thing. One word against that will never be forgiven. Now, if I have been honest with you people, just as honest as I know how to be, I might have contradicted some beliefs that you have in little theology and things. But the reason I do that Paul said, if an angel from heaven comes and preaches any other thing but what that Bible says and what he's taught, let him be accursed. So I have to follow just what the Bible says. If the Bible said he's saying yesterday and forever, I believe that. Just whatever the Bible said, that's just exactly what I believe. I just say it like that. I didn't have any education, didn't have any training. I just listened to the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And so far, up to this Easter morning, for 31 years, he's never let me down. And I tell you that the Holy Spirit told me about that ministry coming on for the last two or three years, and I've been telling the churches everywhere, and the God Almighty, being my judge, 
right up here this side of Salem, them squirrels come into existence where there's no squirrels at. Right down here with Charlie standing back there, and lots of them down here in Kentucky, them squirrels come right into places where they wasn't, told what would be worth Tony, them being sitting there, and there it was exactly. Come right back, and the first human being he's ever spoke on was that woman sitting out there, and there it is. The other morning up there when he was sick with that throat condition, I seen Jesus standing before me. And he told me that the ministry is already confirmed to me. Now what's to take place, I don't know. But one thing, I have to lay aside the other to step out on this. The only way I know to do, be it more now, let this be graven as Job said this morning with an iron pen on a rock. I don't know what to do. The only thing I know is just stepping forward. He told me, and God's my judge, he told me. I told you the truth. And if God has confirmed and told you, and not one time can anybody here ever put their hand on anything that's been wrong, then this is right, too. It's right, too. Now, when I go here stand at the end of the line, I'm having the elder, Brother Neville there, a godly man, our pastor here, to anoint the people. I'm going to lay hands on the people. Because Jesus' commission after Easter was, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I don't know what he's going to tell me along the line. I'm going to try to feel for that super anointing. I don't know what will take place. I don't know. Whatever it is, I'll do just as he tells me. Now come by. Come by with a heart full no matter. If he rebukes you, if he says nothing to you, regardless of what it is, you go away thanking him, you see. Because the work is done. It's some way to get to you. Now, brother, with that lady, I want you to believe it. If he by telephone could take that stomach trouble away from you, he can sure take that leg condition away from you this morning. Now, you believe with all your heart. And the lady with that little baby had the heart trouble. Don't doubt no more. Believe. Believe. Now, I want everybody in the church to be in prayer. And I'm going down to pray. All of you just keep in prayer now while I bring this prayer line through, asking this, putting my hands on there and saying a blessing. And remember, if any of you got any unconfessed sin, be it known unto you that God will never heal you with that unconfessed sin. Make it right before you come through here, because it might make you worse. See? Now, it's not in discernment. Discernment, I find that thing out. But in this is not discernment. I'm searching for a new ministry. All of you understand well? All right. Now believe. Now let's praise with our heads. Father God, my fingerprints are still on this pulpit from hours after hours for now nearly 30 years or more. I've been standing here preaching around the world. And you have confirmed the gospel that I have preached because the message come from you. I never went to any schools, never consulted anybody but you, reading your word and waiting to see what the Spirit would say do. And now, Lord, thou knowest about this ministry of Mark 11, 23. I'm knowing that the hour is at hand, knowing that I've truthfully told about those squirrels and about Sister Hattie and her boys. Now, Father, and knowing that that vision come to me up there in the, at the bed the other morning of seeing that Bible and then the cross and then you, and was revealed into my mind that I have to accept it because it's confirmed. Now, Lord, I go forward this morning in my church to stand here upon this Easter morning praying that you'll raise me to a new gift, more powerful for the people's sake. 
more powerful, not because of my salvation, because you have saved me, Lord, already. Not for self, I've rejected all great things to know you. As you said to me out there at that great temple the other day, I am your potion. Now, Lord, let me be your potion. If I can find favor with you, that your spirit will come in me. And when I lay my hands upon these precious suffering people, may your spirit, Lord, do the rest of the work. That's all I know to do, Lord. I remember my commission. I was born to pray for sick people. Get them to believe and be sincere when you pray. Lord, I'm just, I don't know how to be any more sincere. I, I'm just suffering, Lord, and I, I've suffered myself. Please, dear God, grant that they'll be healed, each one. I go forward now, Lord, by faith, as Moses stepped towards the Red Sea. I step from this sacred pulpit down to this prayer line. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the God who gave me those squirrels, the God who gave Sister Hattie those words, the God who had me to speak them, may he go with me. I go in the name of Jesus Christ.
I'm used to that living. With this condition, I'm on him. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, lay there one death.
the grace of God to the divine
Lord, give Sister Nash her request. Amen. As your servant, I ask it.
that she asked to her in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Father God, grant to the darkness to her request in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, as this woman passes by, I pray that you will give her her request in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I give this woman her request. Then I give you your request through the power granted to me for the commission of Jesus Christ and witness by me. Amen. Go and God will be with you. Brother Freddie Stockton, I can bring that voice in your body. Lord, in every way that is 
by the power of the Holy Ghost, may come upon my brother he be filled with God's power and grace. The Holy Ghost, receive him as I commit him into the...